Alrighty, so I went to the DMV this past week, right? I have to renew my license. Um, actually, I might, might get suspended in the next couple of weeks if I don't go do something about this. But I went to the DMV, and I went to try to go and renew my license. And so there's this, I, I, you know, if you guys been to Atlantic Mall over there, I park in, I, I take the elevator upstairs, the DMV's there. I get out the elevator, I turn the corner, and there's a line coming out of the DMV into the hallway of the mall, all the way down the hallway, down to the escalators, and all the way past down the hall. And everybody's coming, like you see people getting off the elevator, people getting off the escalator, and they're like surprised when they go, like they're going to go to, the, what is this for? Like is Jay-Z in town or something? They turn, like there's the line coming out of the DMV. So I get on the line, right? And I say, well, I'm going to be here for like, until I turn 35 or something. You know what I'm going to get on this line? And so they start shifting us around, they start moving us around, and uh, eventually, I go to take my photo uh, taken for the license. I get the picture taken, right? And uh, they shift this around, and they move me to another line after I take the picture. So I get on that line. 20 minutes go by, and we literally move like 10 inches, right, in 20 minutes. And uh, I'm just there waiting. I, I don't even know what I'm waiting for. I already took my picture, and we're just waiting. And the guy in front of me stops one of the guys at the DMV, and he tells them, where's the end of this line? You know, this is... At this point, it looks like every line connects to everything. And he says, well, this line goes all the way down, and then it turns, and then it goes to the benches right here. And all this time, I've been watching people shift on the benches, and I'm like, look at these poor idiots shifting on the bench. And I'm on the line waiting to get at the end of the bench to do what they're doing, the moving through the bench. It's ridiculous. And 20 minutes on the line, I moved 10 inches, I said, forget this. You know, I, I took the paper, I crumpled it up, it had, and I just walked out the DMV. I said, I'm going to have to deal with this some other way because there's no way I'm going to wait on this line to wait to sit on the bench to wait to get to the front to get on whatever it is I got to get on from there. I really don't know. And so, you know, obviously, I lack a lot of patience. I don't have a lot of patience. But, you know, the truth is, if you've been to the DMV, there's a lot of people that are not patient there. And it's very easy at the DMV to lose your patience, right? Now, in your, in your notes, there's, there's a scale there. There's a point to why I'm saying this. It's because the author today of the book of James, which is James himself, the half-brother of Jesus, if you guys remember from last week, he, he's talking about having patience in difficult moments. Now, I wanted to add a scale there. I want you guys to think real quick. On a scale from 1 to 10, uh, 1 being impatient, 10 being extremely patient, where do you fall on that scale? Take a moment just to fill in a circle there. Where do you think if you rated yourself? You know, what do you, what do you think is the answer to that question? If you really wanted to know the true answer, you probably tell a family member or a friend and they'll let you know, you know, whether you really are patient or not, right? But this is what James is teaching us today. James is teaching us, you know, not to be patient at the DMV. The DMV didn't exist back then. They were still riding camels. But what he's talking about is to be patient in those difficult moments in life, those hard times in life. Last week, we began this new series called Passing the Test, and we're looking throughout the book of James at the wisdom that we can glean, you know, about facing hardships. You know, we mentioned that, that if you're here today, if you're breathing, and if you have a pulse, then you're going to face a hard time. You will face hard times. Difficult moments are just a part of life. It's just something that we all have to go through. You know, you're going to hear of a loved one that passed. You're going to come on financial difficulty. Or the doctors 
are going to discover an illness or whatever, what have you, different, you know, things in your life. In fact, this morning, uh, I woke up to my dad giving me a, a call to tell me that my cousin in Puerto Rico, she passed away. And uh, it's really sad that the, the family over there must be, you know, mourning and in grief because she was very young. And she had some sicknesses that were really making it difficult uh, for her. It was very hard for her. And so, you know, what ended up happening, she, she passed away last night. So now everybody's grieving, you know. This question of storms, guys, is not a question of if, it's a question of when. When? When are you going to go through a hard time? It's not a question of if. And James, guys, has some great advice for us when it comes to dealing with those difficult times. When it comes to dealing with those hard times, he has some great advice for us. Now, the overall message of James is that if you're a follower of Jesus, then there are very real implications of how we should live. There's very real implications on how we should live. If the gospel of Jesus has taken root in our heart, you know, then it begins to transform our, our thoughts. It transforms our mouth, the way we talk. It transforms our hands and feet and what we do. This translates even to how we deal with our difficult uh, situations with those storms in our lives. If you remember, we mentioned James 1-2, which says this, Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And we said, man, that's a difficult thing to understand. What are you trying to tell me? You tell me to tap dance when I find out that a loved one uh, passed away? And that's not what the verse is saying. You see, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy is a byproduct of God's hope and peace given to us through the Holy Spirit. This is what happens, guys, when you make a commitment to follow Jesus, when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, then His Holy Spirit comes in and He supernaturally empowers you. During a difficult moment in your life, He can empower you to experience joy. It's a byproduct of God's hope and peace. This is not a normal reaction, by the way, guys, when it comes to difficult moments in one's life. It's not the normal thing. You don't experience joy when you find out of, of a loved one passing, you find out, you know, the, the difficulties in life and the storms when they come. It's not a natural tendency of one person to experience joy. But it's something that we get to experience as followers of Jesus because God has filled us with His Spirit. And the reason we can count it all joy is because, number one, we talked about this last week, I'm just recapping, it's only a test, right? It's only a test. Your faith is being tested. On the other side of this trial, you will have a faith that's strengthened in a God who loves and cares about you. And number two, it makes it stronger. You know, perseverance is developed. We talked about the concept of perseverance being developed in us so that we can be mature and complete. And we talked about how amazing it is that God's actually concerned with who you're becoming. He's concerned about your sanctification and how we're becoming more and more like Christ. And with this in mind, what we're going to do is we're going to look at what James has to say when it comes to dealing with difficult times so that we can pass the test. We're going to look at what he has to say. He has some more advice for us. In those difficult times, here's number one in your notes. You can write this down in your notes. Remember, your notes are for you to keep and you can... Uh, and I would challenge you to examine the verses during the week and pray through them. Number one, we will be patient. Patient. And this is what he says. You have it there in your notes. You can follow along. James chapter 5, verses 7 to 8. Here's what it says. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the lamb to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too... 
be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Now, you guys see a pattern in those two verses? Do you guys notice that he's repeating a certain word there a multiple amount of times? Do you notice how many times James repeats the word patient? Do you see that? In fact, why don't you go, go back in your, in, your, in your notes and circle every time he says patient, be patient, or wait. Look how many times he says it in those two verses. Be patient, wait. You know, if you're anything like me, this is something that you lack. You know, and in fact, I think being in part of New York City, this is like something you have to have. It's like a qualification to live in New York City. It's like you, you can't be patient, right? You just can't, you can't wait, right? Because, you know, we're, we're always hurrying and we're always running. There's always things to do, right? And we're always on the go. But if you guys notice, look what James shows as, as an example. He says, look at the farmer. Look at the example of the farmer. And this is something that we don't get, yo, because you go to the supermarket, right? You pick up a bag of apples for $3.99, right? You want some avocados to cut up for your salad. You go, you pick up some avocados. You don't, you don't even think about what it took to get that stuff to your supermarket, right? Like what, what, you, you don't even think about what, what it takes to get from the tree to your shopping cart. You know, last year we went apple picking and we had a great time. It was a lot of fun trying to do it again this year. But, you, you know, you go apple picking, if you guys have ever been, you, you buy this bag and you fill it up with apples. And what you do is you go to these trees and you just pick apples off of them, right? And you just drop them into the bag. So easy. You know, maybe I should be an apple farmer because apparently the trees just come out of nowhere. Well, actually, if you ask a real farmer, what they'll tell you is that it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes a long time in order to bear fruit. In order for, the, for it to, to bear fruit. You know, it does, doesn't magically spring up. The farmer knows this. The farmer has to wait for the rain to fall. He has to wait for something to spring out of the ground. He has to wait for a tree to grow. And then it's still not done. He needs to wait for that tree to produce fruit before you can finally say, Wow, wow, I can get something. You know, his life, you know, the farmer's life was full of being patient and waiting, being patient and waiting. And so when you look at the example of the farmer, you realize this, you know, is this, 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 this idea that man, it takes a long time. It takes a long time. We're being patient. And in the audience that James is writing to, and this is Jesus' day and James' day, it was an agricultural society. So they got this. They knew, man, an apple tree doesn't grow up overnight. You don't plant the seed and get a tree the next day. Man, this, is, this takes a long time. And James saying, hey, Look at the farmer. Look at him sweat. Look at him toil. Look at him wait patiently so that he can finally get a crop. You know, but in this passage, James is hinting at something that we often overlook, right? What, what is he asking us to be patient for? Is James saying, hey, be patient because your victory is right around the corner. Is that what he's saying? Is he saying because God wants to bless your mess? Is that, is that what James is preaching? It's not, is not exactly, I love when preachers say all that stuff, but in this passage, is not what James is saying, right? Look at the last part of that, of verse 8. What does it say? It says, be patient, there, there goes that word again, that we love so much, and stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. This is interesting. Because the Lord's coming is near. He's reminding us that, that where we live now and the pain that we experience is temporary. It's temporary. One day, guys, 
There will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. One day, there will be just no more suffering. You know, for those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, you know, and have accepted His free gift of salvation, for those of us that have done that, then we have eternity to look forward to. And the Bible tells us that when, when, when we meet our Savior, when we meet our Creator, the, the very God that knows the number of hairs on your head, the God that knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, that God, when you meet Him, when you're in His presence, now there's, there's no more suffering, guys. There's no more pain. There's no more hardship. There's no more sicknesses. There's no more hurt when you're going to be with Him. You guys, I want you guys to look up at the screen. And uh, what do you guys see? It's a black screen, right? But I want you guys to look in the middle. I, I try to create a little dot. Do you guys see the dot in the middle there? Do you guys see it? Right? You see it there? It's right in the middle. It's tiny. Now, I want you guys to look at that and, and to imagine, you know, that that little dot right there, it represents the here and now. That, that little white dot in the middle of this screen, that's the here and now. That's your present hardship. That's your difficulties. That's, those are your struggles. That's your life. And that dot. Then I want you guys to look at the rest of the screen. And I want you to imagine. I wish I had a bigger screen. I want you to imagine that the rest of the screen represents all of eternity. The time that when we leave this earth, that we're going to spend in the presence of God. So often, guys, we get so caught up in the here and now. Right? We get so caught up. And listen, maybe understandably so, because hurts hurt, right? The difficulty you're going to is real. The pain that you're suffering is real. And the hardships, that's, that's all very real. But so often we get so caught up in the here and now that we don't focus on what is to come. And James is telling us, be patient, you know? Be patient, because there is hope. There is hope. There is hope, because one day we will be with Jesus and our present struggles will be over. Yeah, I wish I could tell you guys that God want to bless your mess and that He want to, you know what I mean, take you from, from one level to the next level, you know, and, 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 and bless your socks off and all that. The truth is God is a good God and he, he wants the best for you. But the truth is that this side of heaven, you're going to go through hard times and you're going to go through difficulties. And James is telling us here, don't get caught up on the white dot in the middle of the screen. Don't get caught up because one day, one day, all our struggles will be over. Alright, maybe, maybe you don't believe me. In the old times, there was this hymn, okay? That they used, they used to sing hymns. Now, we don't sing hymns here. You know, we kind of more upbeat songs or whatever. But there was this hymn uh, called, I'll Fly Away. Have you guys ever heard of that song? I'm not, I'm not going to sing it for you because you might want to fly away. You might want to leave. But I'm going I'm I'm to say the words for you, alright? I'm going to read it to you. I want you guys to listen because I think the, the person that, that, that wrote this, I think, he, I think he knew something, okay? Look what it says. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Here's what the chorus says. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. I'm going to read one more verse for you. There's a couple verses. 
Listen to this last verse. When the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. You know, this hymn was written because the person that composed it and those that sung it, they knew ultimately that their suffering would be over once they were in the presence of the Lord. They knew that there was hardships and difficulties and, and there was, you know, announcements of cancer and sicknesses and people dying and, and, and turmoil all around them that one day, one day it would be gone. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away when I die. Hallelujah by and by. I'll fly away. And what this ought to do is, is that it ought to bring us assurance in that, man, we're, you're not serving a dead God. You serve a real God that one day you're going to meet Him. That the very God that holds your molecules together, that holds the universe in the palm of His hands, you're going to meet Him one day. And there will be no more struggles. There will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. And that ought to bring us assurance. So when you're going through difficult times, you're going to be patient, number one. But here's number two. I'm going to tell you something. You might, you might write it down and you might say, hey, this, this kind of doesn't make sense. But let me explain it to you. Here's number two in your notes. We will not grumble. When you're going through tough times, when we're going through tough times, we will not grumble. This is the way James puts it. Then I'll explain it to you. He says it in verse 9. Don't grumble. That's pretty plain. Against one another, right? Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble, grumble against one another. And here's what he's saying. So often our first reaction when we're going through a difficult season is to bring others down with us, right? Have you ever been down? Or have you ever been around somebody who's just like real down and going through a tough time and they just drag you down with them, right? Their, their day's going bad and they're just going to mess up your day as well. So often our, one of our first reactions when we're going through tough times is that we're going to bring down others with us into our difficulty. We begin to grumble about them. Right? We're like the Israelites in the desert. You guys remember the Israelites in the Old Testament? God miraculously saves them out from Egypt, right? And He delivers them from the hand of Pharaoh. But then what happens? When, when, they, when they come across some tough times, they start, they start to grumble. They start to grumble. They start to complain. They grumble against their leaders. They grumble about the food that God miraculously provides for them. They grumble. They murmur. And they complain about everything. After God had delivered them from the hand of, uh, of their slave owners of Egypt and Pharaoh. But we're the same way many times, aren't we? Aren't we the same way? We come across difficult times and we begin to grumble. We begin to murmur. We begin to complain. And about, about whoever and about whatever is around us. And I, I think it might be like a coping mechanism, I think. I think it might be like a coping mechanism that, you know, we're miserable and, and perhaps legitimately for a good reason because you're going through a difficult time and then we want to bring everyone else down with us because it's our coping mechanism. You know, elsewhere in the book of James, we'll eventually get to this, but he talks about the power of our tongue. You know, with our words, we can build people up. You can encourage people, but you know what else you can do? You can tear people down with your words. You know, let me sidetrack here to say this. Knowing that sometimes when people face difficult moments, there may be a tendency for others to grumble. Here's what I want us to be. I want us to be a church. Let's be a people. Let's be a, a place where we can lead with grace. Where we can extend 
empathy, sympathy, and forgiveness. Because we know, listen, people are going to come hurting to our church. You, you may be here today and you may be hurting today. People are going to come and they're going to come hurting. And they may come, excuse me, with this syndrome of, of wanting to drag people down with them. Can we be a safe place for them? So that we can understand, man, okay, they're going through a tough season right now. They're going through a tough time. Let's be a church where we can lead with grace and we can extend empathy, sympathy, forgiveness, compassion. Mimic Jesus, right? In that sense. So to recap, you know, in these difficult moments in our lives, we want to be patient. We want to be, we, we will not grumble. But number three, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I want to encourage everybody here. We will persevere. We will persevere. Here's the way James says it. It's the passage, you, you jump down to verse 10 and 11. He says this, Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I don't know if you guys caught that, but he said the word patience again. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have what? Persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and He's full of mercy. Look at verse 10 there. James tells us to look at the prophets of old as examples of patience in the middle of suffering and difficulty. There's many examples, if you read throughout the Old Testament, there's many examples that you can look up of prophets that had to endure and endure patiently and, and persevere through hardship. But one particularly stuck out to me as I was preparing this week, and it's the prophet Hosea. You guys know the prophet Hosea? Check this out. God caused the prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute. Imagine that's your calling. Go and, and call this, this is the one for you. Who's the one? Everybody, oh God, who's, who's my one? Your one is that one over there. And she's, she's a harlot. She's a prostitute. A woman who both God and Hosea knew would be unfaithful to him. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine this being your life's calling? God said that it would be a picture of Israel, God's people, and, and how they constantly hoard against God and His commands. God compared Hosea's relationship with the promiscuous woman to his relationship with Israel. You know, at one point, check this out, Hosea actually had to pay to get his wife back because she ran off again to sell her body. And the prophet Hosea had to go and purchase his wife. And he didn't give up. And he persevered. Do you think, do you think Hosea showed patience and perseverance? in the midst of struggle and strife, right? Can you guys admit that's a pretty bad day if you got to go purchase your wife, you know, from the street, right? This is, this is what he had to do. And in the midst of hardship and struggle and, and trials, he persevered. He persevered. But James doesn't stop there. He gives us the best example of patience and perseverance in the Bible, right? I think everybody knows this one. He pulls out the Job card, right? Uh, everybody knows the story of Job. He pulls this out. You guys remember Job, right? He was well off. He was prosperous. And in the matter of a blink of an eye, the unspeakable happens. The unmentionable happens. It's amazing what happens to Job and the amount of suffering that he had to endure. In fact, I'm just going to read it to you real quick. It's not in your notes. You can jot it off to the side. It's found in Job chapter 1, 13 to 19. 
I'm going to read it real quick. Listen to what happened to Job. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the, Sa the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. In other words, they chopped their heads off. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and servants. I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came out and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to your sword. In other words, they chopped their heads off. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. I'm not done. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at your oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they were dead. And I'm the only one that escaped to tell you. And you thought you were having a bad day, right? <laughs> Can you imagine losing your home, your loved ones, all your money, your resources, which was in his case the livestock. Imagine losing all that in the blink of an eye, in a matter of moments. Imagine losing everything that you worked so hard to obtain, all in a matter of moments. How would you have responded if you were in his shoes? How would you have responded? Think about that for a moment. But if you read the book of Job, you'll see a man who lost it all, but still remained faithful to God. You know, there's something to be said about perseverance. There's something to be said about perseverance. There's something to be said about not giving up. You may be here, you may be going through a difficult time, you may be going through a hard time. There's something to be said about perseverance. This week, I was watching, uh, you know, you, I'm on Facebook and they put all these videos. And I saw a video of this runner, a lot of you have probably seen this. Um, but he, he was a, a very strong runner and they were doing the hurdles. You guys know the hurdles when you have to run and jump over it. And so th this video was amazing because it showed this runner, he was um, from Haiti. They were running the hurdles and then, and in, you know, the, or the worst possible thing happens when he's running. I want you guys to check out this video. Did you guys notice that? He was running, right? And then what happened? He, the unthinkable, the, the worst possible case scenario, he trips on the first hurdle and he, and he falls over. But what I love about, I mean, he didn't win a medal, obviously, right? He didn't finish the race. But you know what I love about that clip? What did he do? He got up. He got up. You think it was embarrassing what happened to him? You think he probably even got hurt. I mean, he, he fumbled. He rolled over. You know, it's, it's amazing. But he got up. He got up. Even though he messed up and fell down, he got up and he finished the race. And guys, there's two ways that you can respond to those difficult moments in your life. Okay? The first way, you can give up. You can throw in the towel. You can say, forget about this. You can give up on God. You can say, man, when God's not helping me through this difficult time. He's not helping me through this struggle. You can give up on church. Don't come to church. Don't congregate with God's people. Don't seek out relationships with God's people. And then forget about your relationship with God. You forget about it, God. I don't want to work. You know, you, you know, I'm going through this tough time. God, I don't want to know nothing about you. And the truth is that that's the way a lot of people respond when they go through hard times, isn't it? When they go through difficult times, they don't want to go to church, they don't want to be around God's people, they don't want to look for God, they don't want to pray, they don't want to read God's word because they're going through a difficult moment. And that's, that's one way that you can respond when you go through a difficult time. 
Do you know what the second option is? It's what James is telling us here. The second option that you have when you're going through a difficult time in your life, when you're going through those storms in your life, the second option you have is to persevere. Is to persevere. And that's what I want to encourage you guys to do. I want you to persevere. Don't give up. Why? Why, why, why won't we give up? Well, James says in the last verse that we read there in your notes, that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So I want to encourage you guys, persevere. Are you going through a tough time? Persevere. You're not? You're, eventually you will. And when you do, guys, persevere. Persevere. Don't give up. Why? Because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. In fact, He's so compassionate, He's so full of mercy that He sent Jesus, who, who also suffered and died. Because the greatest tragedy that we suffered, you know, is not whatever storm it is you're going through. The greatest tragedy was our separation from God because of our sin. And the Bible says the wages of our sin is death. And God sent Jesus to come and die in our place. He, ri- he rose from the grave three days later, conquering Satan, sin, and death. And we're granted forgiveness. And we experience, the God's Word says we experience new life. The Bible says that we're a new creation. Those of us that put our faith in Jesus, we have hope. We can experience God's compassion. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you can experience what James says, that he's full of compassion and he's full of mercy. And the greatest way we experience that is through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done so, then I invite you to put your faith in him today. And if you find yourself here today and you're going through a difficult time, then I invite you to trust in God, be patient, and discover hope in Christ. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, we just thank you, Lord, for this word today. And I know that many are going through difficult seasons in their lives and they're going through tough times and they're going through hardships. But I thank you, God, that we can have hope in you. And, we, and I thank you that you're a Lord, that you're a God full of mercy and compassion. God, I thank you. Would you help us to, to realize, God, that, that one, one morning when this life is over, that we'll fly away and that we'll be with you and that there'll be no more hardship, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more struggles, there'll be no more tears, because we'll be in the presence of God. Lord, help us in our struggles, help us in our difficulties. Lord, we have family that's mourning right now because of a loss of a loved one. Lord, we have people going through many difficult times amongst our families and friends. God, I pray that they would see your love, mercy, and compassion. Help us, God, to persevere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.